It's almost been two years since I have heard that introduction, but a very monumental occasion is happening in Australia, so we had to bring the podcast back for a very special episode. My name is Brownie, it's been far too long, and today we are back to celebrate the return of Good Things Festival, which will be hitting up Australia's East Coast this December from the 2nd to the 4th. And it is going to be a huge return to form with headliners Bring Me The Horizon, who you might know recently performed in Malta and did an amazing throwback to their heavier roots. We don't know what the band have in store for Australia, but this is their very first festival headlining slot down under, so we can only imagine what they have up their sleeves. The band are going to be joined by the likes of Deftones, NoFX, who are going to be playing Punk and Drublick in full, The Amity Affliction, Gojira, 1OK Rock, Chasing Ghosts, Cosmic Psychos, Fever 333, Ginger, Jaden, and a whole stack more. To see the full lineup and full ticketing details, you can head over to wallofsoundau.com. But on this very special episode, we're going to get you up close and personal with four bands from the lineup. Two guests who have never been on an episode of Wall of Sound up against the wall, and another two guests who have, but one has a bit of a twist behind them. All that and more is going to be revealed over the course of this podcast, so stick around, listen to some tunes, and get yourself ready for the return of a large-scale music festival that's touring Australia's East Coast this December, and what a way to wrap up the past couple of years and get us back into this live music scene. Without further ado, let's get into festival headliners right now. We have not seen this song live in Australia and I for one cannot wait to be in the middle of that mosh when they drop it. This is Teardrops by Bring Me The Horizon on Wall of Sound, Up Against The Wall, the Good Things Festival Special Edition. See you. 
Stringer from the Amity Affliction, and you're listening to Wall of Sound up against the wall. Drop it on the tongue like love. Even though you know it won't be enough. Let me
The Amity Affliction Like Love on Wall of Sound up against the wall. The Good Things Festival Special Edition. They're no strangers to Australia's festival circuit. They've appeared at stacks of them over the years, including Download Festival, Soundwave, Sounds of Spring, and a whole stack others, including their very own that was held in Brisbane a couple of years back, the Heaven and Hell Festival. You might remember, we did a podcast episode for that, didn't we? It's been so long, I've missed being inside your ear holes. Now, we wanted to bring this back for a very special occasion, and what better way to bring the podcast back than to have a chat about this event? There is so much happening behind the scenes that you need to take a bigger look at what's going on. First of all, we're going to see the return of Kiss Chasey. Now, they called it a day back in 2015. It's hard to believe seven years has passed since they played their last show, so they're back on deck and they're going to be performing their album United Paper People in full, which includes, obviously, the intro song Do Do's and Woe O's. So a flashback there for Australia's alternative scene. We're also going to see the triumphant return of Tism. Now, these guys have not been on stage in almost two decades. 19 years it's been since we last saw Tism hitting up the stage. And back in the day, they were renowned across all of the alternative music festivals, like Big Day Out. And they have this unique relationship with their fan base. Now, the fan base is obviously Gen X's who grew up with the Big Day Out, Channel V, and Recovery. And so to see them back on stage and causing the mayhem that they already are with the pre-festival interviews, we can only imagine what they have in store for fans and so far we have seen a plethora of fans coming out of the woodworks wanting to go catch these guys now this is a performance that's exclusive only to good things festival so the only way that you're going to see them is if you grab your tickets and head along so to mark the special occasion let's get on a song from the band from way back in the day this might trigger something in your brain that you've hidden away to make you go oh shit that's them this is a retro throwback from tism thunderbirds are coming out on wall of sound up against the wall Oh, 
wall of sound up against the wall. He pointed to the edge of the river with a hand still shaking. That's where the nightmare came. One band I cannot wait to see hitting the stage at Good Things Festival is Chasing Ghosts, fronted by the man and icon that is Jimmy Kyle. Now, if you're at Night and Day Festival, you would have noticed the band in a very intimate setting and Jimmy on stage with the Welcome to Country that he has been renowned for, doing it at Unify as well. He joins us now and, mate, you're stepping up with a massive touring festival. How's it feel being on this massive lineup? Yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing, pretty stoked. It was, you know, just thinking bloody Soulfly and Deftones and, you know, 15 or 16-year-old me is just going, go away. (laughs) But look, Jimmy, it's so well-deserved. Chasing Ghosts has been touring all around the country. You just wrapped up a tour recently with Body Jar, and this is all on the back of your Homelands EP that you released back in June in 2021. Uh, Obviously, we've seen the band uh, coming up the ranks of the alternative scene, but also yourself as an advocate for Indigenous affairs and the storytelling and education. Tell us again why this is such an important topic for you to, you know, get on stage and educate the scene about everything that's happened in the past. Look, well, firstly, as a Thangari man, you know, that's, uh, important to me to respect my culture, my people, my old people. But also I think 
many Australians often say that they weren't taught anything at school, that they sort of, they don't mean to often put their foot in it, but they just, they've not been educated. They're not really conscious of what's occurred. And, you know, the punk sort of community has always been a very open-minded community. It's always been a community that has, um, I guess, has always included people from marginalised groups and it's, you know, it's always stood up for equality and things like that. And I think the arts are, are often these great platforms to tell stories and to educate people before our probably our more conservative sectors have the courage to actually do it. And I sort of had the idea, well, if you're not going to put it in the curriculum and put it in a book in school, well, I'll put it on the radio. And that was kind of my plan. I, I had just decided I wanted to write these songs that I thought needed to be told. And I had a platform and I, I didn't want to miss that moment. And, um, you know, there's all those songs over the years, you know, songs become these anthems for change, for movement. They become these moments for that marked time, um, you know, whether it's beds are burning and, I guess what I'm, you know, I've been to a couple of places where, you know, people are just singing along because it's a catchy song and, and that's fine, that is what it is. But for me, it, it's an opportunity to have these conversations. You know, these massacres that occurred around Australia, they occurred under our feet, they occurred under all this concrete, they occurred quite often and were deliberately done by many people who are up on statues in Australia and and look, that's one thing that I actually learned through yourself, Jimmy, and Chasing Ghosts. You know, you drive through regional towns, which are named after settlers and people like that who have these atrocious histories and they have towns named after them. And this is just a way to signify how, you know, what they did in the past was bad. Here's a story about what happened. Do your education and get yourself involved any way you can. Well, look, even the euphemisms we use like settlers, they weren't settlers. They were thieves. They were apparently racist. They were occupiers and they were illegally occupying these lands. These people were never invited to Australia. They did what the world's largest empire did everywhere. They stole what wasn't theirs. And we can't have serious conversations with our children about, well, you can't steal stuff, but it's okay for Aboriginal people's sovereignty to be stolen. Um, you, that's called cognitive dissonance. If you believe that, uh, you know, theft is wrong, then the theft of lands of Aboriginal people consequently must be wrong to you. Uh, if you don't believe theft is wrong, then perhaps you don't see an issue. I would imagine most people believe theft is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're turning a blind eye to these stories. But, you know, with someone like yourself educating about what happened in the past, it gives people a better understanding of what actually happened back then. Because, yeah, we didn't really get this kind of education in school growing up. Well, let me put it to you this way, uh, my brother is... We talk about it as in back then. I uh, just want to be very clear for people. It is not 230 years ago. Uh, the last really well-known massacre I can think of was done by a Northern Territory police officer who led the Northern Territory police for about 40 years. He killed about 400 people. It was known as the Coniston Station Massacre. And the Coniston Station Massacres were about 96 years ago. They were in... 1928, so in between World War One and World War Two, These are, are not old ideas. This is, if you want to understand why we still have severe problems with racism in the Northern Territory, in Queensland, in Western Australia, in many parts of Australia, it's because less than 100 years ago, 
police in this case were openly killing people in the public sphere. And so when we think about, you know, the Anzacs, uh, 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 we, and the reverence we have for the Anzac spirit and how that still is played out today, we don't see that with a memorial-style approach to the grief that's happened for First Nations people. We, we don't have frontier wars being acknowledged. We don't have national days where we grieve for the, you know, the hundreds and thousands, the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Aboriginal people that were massacred and murdered. And I guess, you know, I grew up on things like Rage Against the Machine where punks and people that played alternative music spoke up and they used their microphone as, as a way to talk to, uh, you know, speak truth to power and, and to tell the masses what was going on in, in a way that might connect with them. And the punk music was always about, you know, politics and speaking up and, and about, you know, sharing history. And, and so I guess I'm just an extension of that, that long line of artists that have come before me, you know, the Midnight Oils as well, obviously, you know, another one that's probably dragged a very ignorant generation of people through some very difficult subjects. So I'm just trying to do my part, but I, I want people to understand massacres that have occurred in Australia are not just one or two. We're talking hundreds of thousands. This is the way the land was, was cleansed of Aboriginal people. We were exterminated and killed like any other genocide around the planet. Yeah, and the way that you're telling these stories and the way that you're educating as well gives people the understanding and maybe it'll, it'll have them taking that step back and realising something needs to be done about this. Action needs to be done across the country. They need to play their part and have their voices heard because of the uh, Indigenous groups who are trying to get this done. But, you know, you've got the left-wing people who just tend to turn a blind eye to everything and just hope that it, you know, fades away. But this isn't fading away. This is something that's getting more and more important as each and every year progresses. Well. I would push people towards a conversation around treaty. We are the only Western nation on the, on the planet. We're the only Commonwealth nation, rather, on the planet that um, doesn't have a treaty with its First Nations peoples. You know, the VAS, that's, that's about 165 countries that all have beat us to that place. And, you know, we see it. We know the Treaty of Waitangi, which is the treaty in New Zealand uh, between Māori and Pakia. We know that that treaty uh, has some shortcomings. It's not perfect. But we also know as uh, people growing up in continental Australia, when we go to New Zealand or when the conversation is even had about Māori people, um, there's so much more respect and reverence and connection and relationship between the white and black populations in New Zealand than there is, say, here in Australia that everyone can notice it. And some of that has to do with the distinct differences within our history, but some of it does have to do with things like treaty, helping to create restorative justice, also to, to be able to give Māori people their rightful place back in society. And we would like to see similar sort of concepts and discussions being ha happening here and we need our non-Indigenous brothers and sisters to stand up and say, we do live on Aboriginal land and what happens and what is happening to Aboriginal people is not right. And to explore the conversation, realising that they can be part of the solution and to help people get justice and not part of the problem. People aren't going to lose 235 years. They're going to gain 60,000 years. And, you know, it's like a high tide 
it lifts all boats. If Aboriginal people are doing well in Australia, that's good for everyone else. That doesn't take away from other people. That actually serves everyone else well. Uh, and the reason we really probably haven't done it in the country is what people are scared of is that Aboriginal groups might actually have some say over what occurs on our lands. And yeah, of course we will. And I know what we wouldn't do. We wouldn't do what the rest of the population has done, which is make more animals extinct than any other country on the planet, which has cut down 90% of the trees. And now the, the floodwaters just take all the soil and they rush it straight out to the ocean because there's no trees. The koalas have nothing to eat. We wouldn't do that. We, these are the things that we would make different choices about. We see that we have a relationship with the land and we need to look after it so it looks after us. It is not an endless resource that can just be take, 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 take forever. You must give back. And if you don't, we end up in situations where the country's on fire and we're all at risk or the country's underwater and we're all at risk because we're not managing the land right. We're not doing the things that create that sustainability and that stability we need in general. And this is the thing that uh, I have spoken about many times that I've mentioned Chasing Ghosts. I've learned so much about you through your stories, through you just having the chats that you have on stage at Night and Day Festival. It was quite an intimate setting. However, you were there having a chat with the punters who were, you know, crammed into the room to check you out. So we're learning through education, through experience and yourself. I say this to everyone. If you want to learn about Indigenous culture, go speak to Jimmy Kyle because I guarantee that you are one of the best people in this country who can put it in a way that us punks and alternative people understand oh i really appreciate that um brownie you know that means the world to me especially you know i I value your opinion and and your reflection so thank you very much it's very kind of you look i i've probably you know i'm a light-skinned black fella you know i i know kind of what it is in many ways as an aboriginal person to to reflect and think on these things and experience some of these things and come from people that have been through these things, but also know what it is in many cases as a white passing person to experience, you know, a British curriculum, even sort of have that lens from a British perspective passed down and to be treated as a a non-Indigenous person. Many people don't automatically assume I'm Aboriginal. So it creates a bit of a place where maybe I can be a bit of a bridge um, between two groups that I can kind of look behind the curtain kind of have a little bit of a deeper sense. But despite personalities and despite cultural nuanced differences, really my job is just to tell the historical truth and let you decide as the listener, what does that mean to you? And, you know, I guess I've had the luxury of thinking about what it means to me most of my life. And so I've, had, I've done a bit of the pre-thinking and, and I can offer some suggestions to people about, okay, well, maybe these are some ways that we can move forward together um, and step closer to where we want to go. And, and uh, yeah, I'm not here to judge people. I'm, I'm, I'm just really here to try and bring us all into the conversation because I believe this country can be spectacular and I think we can do it if we, if we stand together. I, I'm not interested in the Australia of the 80s or the 90s and, you know, flying blue flags and all that sort of bullshit. I'm interested in where we're going together and I think we could be um, 
I think we could set this standard for the world, but we, we've got to really have a bit of a reckoning with our identity. And we can't do that unless we confront that this country was invaded, that this is Aboriginal land, that it will always be Aboriginal land. And if the only way it can be taken from us is to kill us, then in, you know, in our defeat, we will find pride. But in their victory, they're only going to find shame. You know, I want people to feel uh, welcome and I want people to feel like they can come and have a yarn anytime. And look, one of the best ways to do that is through your music. And what I wanted to do right now is get on the song, which uh, spoke volumes about you as a character, a band, and the message that you're trying to get across. Dig, for those who haven't had the chance to listen to this one yet, give us a rundown. What's this one all about? Uh, Dig's about the invasion of Australia. It's about some really specific parts of it. One of the big strategies for Aboriginal people to when we fought back. So, you know, the contemporary myth that was taught at schools is that Aboriginal people, we never fought back and Māori people fought back and that's why Māori people got their lands and we didn't, which is not only highly offensive and ridiculous, but incredibly inaccurate. Um, lots and lots of warriors fought back. Jundamara, Windarine, Mosquito, Pumalway, Garibaldi, Billy Barlow, Dundali, uh, Yagan, Whaler, Truganini, Malboina, Thunaminaway. Heaps and heaps and heaps of Aboriginal peoples led resistances. The part, I guess, around dig, it talks about some of those resistances. Um, there's a line and it says, can you make it through the winter if we burn your crops black in their rows? And it's really talking about how people started to burn down the the invaders and the settlers and the colonists. They started to burn down their their grain and their their corn and everything, they started to burn the crops down. So they'd hoped they would sort of starve them to go back into the cities like Melbourne or old Sydney town and, and they would push them back in. Uh, and it talks about the fighting back of colonisation. So DIG is asking non-Indigenous people to dig a little deeper into the history, just to go a little bit further and, and to, to realise the place that you call your home has been the home of other people before time began and that we're all living on stolen land. That doesn't mean that you don't belong here. That just means that your role here might be able to mature into a more generous role, a role that includes other people, that gives you greater connections to other people. Uh, when you listen and you reflect on it, you'll understand that's what it's talking about. So... When people hear the song and they have a listen, they'll hear all these elements and, and they'll, they'll understand some of these lyrics a little bit deeper. I would encourage people to go and check out the film clip and to recognise for Aboriginal people where, you know, we've been here for 65,000 years or more and we believe we've always come from here and we will be here for another 65,000, hopefully. Well, mate, I think you're doing a fantastic job at keeping that legacy alive, telling these stories and educating the whole of Australia about everything that's happening. Chasing Ghosts, playing Good Things Festival. Jimmy Kyle, it's been an absolute pleasure. Cannot wait to see you on stage again, mate. Thank you very much, my brother. Be well, Brownie. Dig, dig, just a little deeper. You've only started to scratch the surface now. Dig. Until your nails bleed Until you know what 
just a little deeper day, day. What's up, y'all? This is Jason Alon from Fever 333, and you're listening to Wall of Sound up against the wall. My fool's away a ton of sun, Javier. My fool's away a ton of sun, Javier. My fool's away a ton of sun, Weigh a ton, son, carry it. Watch, watch some body rhymes just to bury you. They, they throw some threat, but we scary you. Hey. What you call privilege? Hey. We call them barriers. Oh. My boozer weigh a ton, son, carry it. You fuck with the wrong generation. You fuck with the wrong generation. You fuck with the wrong generation. Yeah, you fuck with the wrong generation. My boozer weigh a ton, son, carry it. My boozer weigh a ton, son, carry it. Next guest is no stranger to Wall of Sound up against the wall. He's appeared multiple times. The last time was when the band came down under in 2019 for Download Festival. And now they are heading back down under for Good Things Festival. Jason Alon Butler from Fever 333. Welcome back to Wall of Sound. Wow, look at that intro. Amazing. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We've always got to roll out the red carpet for a bloke like you because, mate, every (laughs) time you get in a room, you just fuck shit up. In a good way, that is. (laughs) You jump into the crowd. You climb on anything physically possible. Uh, We just saw this recently at your download festival performances over in the UK. Are you keen to get back to Australia, climb a tree and hang out with a koala? I most certainly am. That's actually exactly why I'm coming down under is just to <laughs> hang out with a koala. Sorry to everyone else that wants to see music. I'm just going to be in trees. So that's where you'll catch me. Well, is, does that mean you're going to get some props now? We're going to put some trees on stage with you and a couple of koalas. And instead of climbing the really high scaffolds, you just climb that and just get really high on eucalyptus. That's what I was going to say. You know what? Honestly, it's not even going to be me. It's going to be a little koala in a jumpsuit. That's what y'all are going to see. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, look, if you're looking for recommendations and people to do some stupid shit, I'm available, mate. Uh, look, we have been waiting for Fever to come back. You guys obviously put out this stellar album, Strength in Numbers, back in 2019. You followed it up with the Wrong Generation EP in 2020. So you have this plethora of new material that we are waiting to see. Obviously, the world turned to shit. How did you fare going through the pandemic and what have you learned most about yourself coming out the other side? Oh, that's such a, a good question, isn't it? That, that is the question of the past couple of years. I'm, uh, you know, I think for me, I got through it all right. And I know that that's, uh, it's almost like blasphemy to say, but um, I had a kid the day that we went into lockdown in Los Angeles. I had my second child. So I was, um, you know, I guess the irony and I guess the sort of um, beneficial irony is that I get to, I got to spend a lot of time with my, my youngest son got to spend a lot of time with my family at a time where I probably would have been out, you know, traveling a lot more yeah. doing music. Um, but at the same time, in that time, there was so much happening. Um, you know, obviously here in America for people of color, primarily black people, um, in this system, uh, within policy and as well as, you know, the world sort of reacting to it. So I got to, uh, you know, really take a moment and digest, and further my understanding as well as my overstanding <laughs> of, of what these issues that I was, you know, sort of lamenting and, and harping on and trying to amplify in the previous works. I got to really, really focus some serious time on those things, you know, while being, I guess, sort of, I don't want to say relegated, but, you know, we had to be, we had to be at home a lot more. We had to yeah. face ourselves a lot more. We had to have a lot more conversations. And the thing is that they were a lot of them were online, it seemed as though. And uh, I don't know how much that benefited us uh, on a larger scale, but I know that personally it really did help me with, um, you know, just like my, my way of thinking of things and the way that I get through them. It's a testing time for everyone. I mean, the the thing, one of the last things I remember writing about was seeing you out and about with the marching and being in the front line following the tragic passing of George Floyd. The Wrong Generation EP came out and it kind of encompassed everything, all the anger, all the issues that were going on in America at the time. And those issues kind of continued on and boiled over until Trump got out. But they're still relevant to this day with everything going on. I mean, just for example, your, your standalone single, Trigger, was released about the gun violence. And it's a song that keeps mm. coming back to mind every Every time something like that happens in America. So it's something that, you know, you've released this song and it's stuck in history, but it's also going to be something that keeps getting brought up and is relevant with everything that keeps happening there. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. I, I've, I've done a few interviews now. People say like, do you feel things have changed? If so, how this and the other. And to be completely honest, I don't, you know, I don't think things have changed. And, and, and that's because we have, there is so much work to do that, yeah. I think that when it becomes, you know, when we're getting it in, when we're getting justice in piecemeal, um, the, the sort of relative, the relative acceptance of, of what change is, it, it doesn't seem like any. And so for me, it's really just me trying to find a way to continue to discuss the things that I think need to be discussed, but not only discuss them, but act on them too. Yeah. you know, really be about it. And, and that's really what I've been doing, honestly. A lot of people are like, where you been? Where's the music? This, you know, a lot of a lot of what I've been doing is trying to involve myself in the changes that I think uh, I want to see. 
And that's one thing that you do so well. I mean, whenever there's an issue that comes around, we listen to what you say, JC, whether you're screaming it at us, whether you're mentioning it on Twitter or social media, people stop and they take in what you say. And I guess what you're saying is, you know, with all the issues that are happening and the songs that you're writing about, your experiences with this, it's something that takes a while to sit. So people need to sit on it, to savour it, to taste it, to let it sink into their soul and then realise, okay, this is what he's talking about. This is the change that I can do the jump in and help out the band and not only the band, the the country, the world for the better and everything like that. It's something that takes a bit of time to sink in really. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, again, these, these are very um, layered and, and, and rather complex issues that have been rooted in, in the Western world, not even just, uh, not even just America, but you know, the Western world at large, I, I, a lot of these, these systems have been, been in place for, you know, generations and, and centuries and, and we experience them um, all throughout the Western world. And that also assimilates or, or sort of uh, seeps into other parts as well. So, I, I, you know, I, I really think that as much as we love instant gratification, as much as we love yeah. clicking on a button and getting something in front of our door in two hours from Amazon, like as much as we love the convenience that the modern world has afforded, we have to remember that there are so many massive inconveniences that not only affect others, but uh, again, on a large scale, whether we don't see it outside of our front door um, is not the problem. It's the fact that they're allowed to continue and they will, in fact, find their way into, you know, just about everyone else's lives. It may not be today or tomorrow. It may not be as apparent as some may think. But, you know, I think the pandemic is a great indicator of how something so, so far away can find its way, you know, to, to your home and, and create a very, very uh, less than ideal scenario for, yeah. for, for you, you know? So I think that that's kind of what I try to get people to understand is that this may not be something you're directly affected by or that you think you're directly affected by, but nonetheless, it should be something you consider or at least know about. It's all part of history, you know. It's something that you need to realise what's going on around you. So many people bury their heads in the sand to what governments are doing and what's actually happening in their own backyard. And the only way they find out about it is by musicians like yourself, like the activists, like Rise Against, for example, who write these songs yeah. that resonate with people and make them go, hold on, they're singing about something that I should probably act on. And then from there, they, you know, get the confidence behind them to get involved, join an activism thing, or, you know, start making those slow changes. But over time, it does progressively work. And it's just feeding it to the masses of people in a slow amount of time to get them ready for when they're ready to jump on board, I guess. That's right. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that there's a spot for everybody in um, in the change, right? In progress. And progress is what helps us sustain as a species, as human, as humans. And I think that everyone has a place and not everyone's place is on the front line, not everyone's place is on the microphone, not everyone's place is, you know, ostensibly shouting from the roofs their beliefs or subscriptions to ideologies or theories or policies. I, I don't think that everybody needs to be doing that. But I do think that they're, you know, we've gotten to a point, uh, especially me as a father now, the way that I look at, I perceive the world and uh, the world that my children will inhabit. I do think that, unfortunately, due to the debts that have been bestowed and left behind uh, upon my generation and those that I will leave for my children, you know, it is we are we are all but duty bound to at least pay attention to uh, what we do and how it affects posterity. I, I truly do believe that. 
I, Jason, I could sit here and listen to you talk all day, man. You, I learned, I've learned so much through the years with you being in Let Live, getting into Fever 333, and just watching you evolve into this this fantastic human being in the music industry who's absolutely trying to make a difference. And with your words, with your experiences, you're educating us. So, mate, thank you for doing what you do. It is awesome to be a fan, but it's also to watch from the, the sidelines and go, yeah, this guy's absolutely killing it with what he's doing. I appreciate you, brother. I really do. And, I, and honestly, same to you. I mean, I've watched you evolve and progress and become just such a you know such a a leader in what it is you do and how you do it in such a way that's like endearing engaging fun but also you know you allow me and others like myself space to talk about things that we think are important and i just i really appreciate you brownie thank you Thank you, man. That, it means the world. Now, when we finally get the chance to have Fever 333 back in Australia again, uh, obviously, people want to know, new music, uh, new new antics on stage. What can we expect when you hit that stage again? Yeah, all of the above. I'm, I'm currently wrapping like the sequence for what I believe to be our, our next full-length album and possibly some music before that or in between. And yes, I've got a whole... I've been working for about a year on this, the new iteration of uh, of fever three 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 moving forward uh, with this new campaign and the new album and the new vibe everything from you know what it looks like what it feels like and how it's presented on stage so uh, there will be some some pretty big changes uh, when we come back beautiful well do not stop doing what you're doing we will welcome you with open arms and if you want to sleep on the beach in Perth again mate there's more than enough people <laughs> that'll come grab a towel and come lay down next year. I love it. I, I would I would love that. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure you get your tickets and check out these guys. Fever 333 at Good Things Festival. Jason Alon Butler. Always a fucking pleasure, mate. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Because I'm anti-bad.
pull the trigger I get shot, pull the trigger I get shot, run motherfucker, run motherfucker, run Pull the trigger, I get shot, pull the trigger I get shot, pull the trigger I get shot, run motherfucker, run motherfucker, run Pull the trigger, I get shot, pull the trigger I get shot, pull the trigger I get shot, run motherfucker, run motherfucker, run Fuck! Hey, this is Nikki Brumman from Blood Command, and you're listening to Wall of Sound Up Against the Wall.
The next guest is no stranger to Wall of Sound up against the wall, featuring on this podcast multiple times. However, this time it's with a completely different project. Nikki Bruman of Blood Command. Welcome back to the podcast and congratulations on appearing on the festival. Yay! Thank you for having me, Brownie. It's so nice to be back and it feels so weird with that introduction not being Nikki from Pagan. Exactly. For for those who have been living under a rock for the past couple of years, I don't blame you. You've gone through some shit. You, uh, Pagan ended, you joined uh, Blood Command over in Norway. You are literally living out your dream of joining a Norwegian metal band. Like, Crossing that off the the life bucket list, how the fuck is that for you to go, holy shit, this is happening? It's literally like, yeah, my dream come true. I I know it sounds cliche, but it is my fairy tale ending. I always said I wanted to live in Norway and specifically I visited Bergen in 2011 and I said, this is my favourite city, I want to live here one day. And then I joined a band from Bergen in Norway and like, yeah, it's just almost fate that I've um, I've been able to join my dream band and it's all fit together so perfectly. We all love each other so much and we have so much fun on tour and I, th- I just think I'm the right, you know, the missing puzzle piece for the band. Exactly. And for you to live out that dream again because let's face it, Throughout the years, you have lived dream after dream. I mean, especially with uh, the music festival sense. I mean, you played Unify with Pagan. You played the Heaven and Hell Music Festival with with the Emity Affliction, who were the band that inspired you to first start screaming in the first place. Now you get to bring your brand new entity back to your Australian fans and show people what you've been doing with Blood Command. We've only seen uh, newspaper clippings and photos of shows of what it's like for you to be over there. What can we expect when you bring this new project down under it's something that Australian audiences just need to see and I know that Australia are going to love Blood Command so much because there's just a thing in Australia where a lot of people like myself we've got a bit of an infatuation with Norwegian black metal yeah 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 in general and not that we're by any means black metal but we've just got that real Euro thing with the synths and like an epic live show and the band just puts so much into our live performance as well. Like I've never worked with a band who everyone on stage is giving 110% at all times. And I think this is like Nikki times 10 in terms of like performance, maybe I'm to do what I want vocally. I just, I'm so excited to show the world how much I've grown as an artist as well. Like, you know, in Pagan, I got to do everything I wanted to, but I got to a point where I also wanted to grow further, especially vocally, and Blood Command has given me the opportunity to do that. And, you know, it's just like too much added ass on stage. (laughs) It's like the the most perfect, like, Euro hardcore pop-punk combination. That's what this project is. I mean, Pagan in the past was essentially heavy and screams, but this you're dabbling in different types of singing. You've got your screams, but you've also dabbled in the uh, the pop punk and the melodic side. Was that a struggle for you to adapt to not having, you know, screaming down a microphone after downing a bottle of red wine? <laughs> it was a struggle because, yeah, I'd never done it on stage and I didn't have much confidence at the start in terms of, like, oh, can I actually sing these songs? But when I got out of that headspace of doubting myself, I realised, hey, I can actually sing and I'm a good performer and I need to just back myself. And 
in Pagan when we were when we broke up and you know the breakup was very amicable there was no bad blood or anything but when we broke up we were writing our second album at that time and I wanted to put some clean vocal stuff in there so this has just been an amazing chance for me to get to do what I wanted to do with Pagan and I yeah I just feel really lucky that I've been able to push myself artistically and like sing these amazing songs that I like I genuinely think these are the like Ingvar who writes majority of Blood Command's music is one of the best songwriters I've ever ever listened to he's like he's just a, a genius when it comes to songwriting so I just feel really lucky I get to sing them and I yeah I'm really happy with like how I've grown as an artist and I'm really like worked hard for this too. You you have. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure watching and following your journey from the very early beginnings to the fact that you sold everything, got on this plane, flew halfway across the world and joined this band that you have always wanted to be a part of. And then you're releasing songs like a villain's monologue, which completely absolutely blew us all by by surprise. Like when that announcement came through with you being in the band and that being the lead in song, it was like, yeah, this was destiny. Yeah, it was meant to be. And I had so many people say that too. Those months of having to pretend like I wasn't doing anything was so hard because when Pagan split up, I found it quite difficult to deal with. I wasn't ready for the band to break up. And, you know, like the guys just wanted to go their own separate ways. As I said, there was no bad blood, but I personally wasn't ready for the band to split up. So I took that breakup really hard, like, you know, breakups are hard. As you do, exactly, yeah. And this is a yeah. big one where, you know, you put so much of your heart and soul into this project for it to then just go, Absolutely. yep, that's it, we're, we're parting ways and we're doing something different. Yeah, exactly right. And so when I got the offer for Blood Command, um, because Ingvar from my band was a fan of Pagan, he'd seen we'd split up, he jumped at the chance to ask me what I was doing with my music career and yeah, it was for me, it was like, you know, one door closed, another one. Another open, yeah. Yes, right away. And genuinely also I was a fan of Blood Command anyway. So it was just, yeah, the most perfect timing, the most perfect thing. But, yeah, keeping it hush-hush for those months. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like putting up the balaclava photo where I wouldn't release my face and stuff and, A few people speculated that it was me, but I think they were like, how could that be possible? She lives in Australia and they live in Norway. And then by the time we got to announce it, I felt so proud and so excited. And exactly like you said, Brownie, like it was the perfect fit. It was just meant to be from the start. And then from there, you've just come out guns blazing. I mean, the singles that we've heard so far, Nuns, Guns and Cowboys, The End Is Her, A Questionable Taste in Friends is one of my favourite song titles. We really can't wait to hear what you do with this album, Praise Armageddonism. But when it comes to showcasing this band in Australia for the very first time, it's it's Blood Command's debut trip down under. Is that right? Or am I wrong it there? Is. It is? Yeah. No, it, it is. Yeah. So how are you going to encompass everything that you've brought to the band and their history and perform that on stage? Will it strictly be all the new songs with you or will you go back into the archives for the true fans? Yeah, it's a great question. We've been um, just, we've just finished a tour with Kaval Attack, who are also an amazing Norwegian band for those who don't know. Um, They're amazing. Check them out. But we, when we were touring with Kaval Attack, we did a mix of both. So We did a lot of songs from Cult Drugs, from the Return of the Arsonist EP, even some of the older songs, and 
we also have obviously done the tracks with um, my vocals on them. So it'll be majority praise Armageddonism stuff, but there'll also be some old goodies in there. Um, Ooh, and okay, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to bring my all, I'm going to bring my most Slav look possible. So head to toe Adidas, maybe even a bottle of vodka on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Red wine days are over. Long gone. We, we, we stepped up to vodka now. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be too many pink and purple bright lights. It's it's just going to be blood command to the extreme. And I, I just think that Australian audiences will become addicted. They'll be into it. Well, look, we joined the cult beforehand and I can't wait to join whatever this community is going to be called, the Blood Command Crew, when you head down this under. This one's the Awake Team. The Awake, awake team? team? Oh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to do the hand gestures and all yeah. that. So. <laughs> all right. Now, uh, with the singles that you've released so far, to give people a, a great understanding of what they're going to expect when they see Blood Command for the very first time at Good Things, what do you reckon we should get on now to get everyone pumped up for your set? Yeah, I think well, a villain's monologue definitely. Um, by the time we're performing, though, Praise Armageddonism will have been out to the world well and truly as it's out on 1st of July. So um, I think get into the intro track as that's like a personal favourite of mine. Oh, okay. Cannot wait to dive into the world of Blood Command. Nikki, it is awesome to see your face, hear your voice again, and we can't wait for you to come back to Australia momentarily before you fuck off and go take on the Norwegian black metal world. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brownie.
up against the wall. anyone mentions that they want a band to come to Australia, these boys are always at the top of the list and we cannot wait to see them in Australia for Good Things Festival. Please welcome Nico and Kevin from Electric Cowboy! 
Hello, hello, hello. Hi, guys. <laughs> We're still working on the budget for a, an audience and a round of applause, but there'll be plenty of that to happen when you boys get to Australia. I mean, <laughs> taking a look at your socials and the current uh, UK festival circuit, it is fucking insane right now seeing the number of fans coming out to check you guys out, but also getting involved in having fun. Is it still like a pinch me kind of moment for you guys to go, how the fuck is this still happening? Yeah. Oh, it's still, it's With still like, I mean, it's hard to believe what is happening right now because we don't have much time between the, between the shows and between the festivals to realize what is happening right now. You know what I mean? Everything is happening so fast right now and we're um, just jumping from stage to stage, but it's uh, the most incredible feeling really um, and to talk to you right now and uh, to know that we, yeah, we're going to play in Australia in a couple of months. It's like, Man, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Every time we're uh, back home for a couple of days, uh, it's like uh, getting a bit relaxed and thinking about what just happened the other weekend. And uh, we saw some footage from, from Nova Rock in Austria where there were like a couple of 10,000 of people. I don't know how many people there were. And uh, to see the footage, it was like, was it was it us? Is this us on stage? Like you absolutely amazing and we love every every single yeah. day of being on tour and it's good because you're just keeping up the momentum i mean we first discovered you in australia on the back of hyper hyper nico uh that's about two years almost to the date that you've officially joined the band as well uh and from there it's just gone gangbusters with every single release that comes out we got the moves i mean pump it we can even talk about uh the eurovision stuff that you guys tried to do for you to jump into a band and then have that sort of happen nico was it hard to keep up at first or were you ready to jump in and get the ball rolling as soon as possible? I mean, first of all, that's the reason why we all wanted to make music. To, to be such a successful band right now is, like I said, it's just amazing. But the hardest thing uh, in these this two years was actually to, to wait. I mean, you can see all the numbers on YouTube and the streaming numbers and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we, we had, hadn't the chance to, to uh, stay in front of a, of a crowd and play shows. So. Oh, yeah, the pandemic as well. Fuck, I forgot about that for like a momentary second. Yeah, there. yeah, I almost <laughs> forgot about it. So the, the, two, years, <laughs> the two years of waiting, um, for, for me actually, the two years of waiting and playing no, no fucking shows was the, the, worst thing, the worst thing of this story because, uh, like you said, I joined the band two years ago, two and a half years, and uh, I didn't know the feeling to, to be on stage with the guys and um, playing shows and festivals and, and the whole tour. So yeah, that was, that was the worst thing. And Kevin, did, did you go through any initiation process? Like, you know, you got to run around naked in order to get used to being <laughs> in what, with what you guys are doing on stage. So the naked thing is like, uh, it's just normal for us. He, he came in and we were all naked during uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the application process. I, so, I actually, no. I actually came in naked. Yeah, <laughs> this is like, it is way too dressed. No, but the thing is, uh, as, as Nico said, uh, we, we, we know each other from, from before. He had another band before uh, Electric Cowboy and uh, we uh, kind of knew each other and uh, for many years. And uh, we had some other people uh, applying for that job, but it didn't feel right at that moment. And Nico was, uh, he, he was supposed to be a fill-in vocalist for our Russian tour at that point. And uh, yeah, he, he said, why could I, uh, why uh, shouldn't I do this the whole job? And uh, yes, we, we, we tested some songs and we, we rehearsed together. It was just a perfect match, as I would say. 
And uh, yeah, as Nico said, it was like a little bit sad because we believe music is made for, for the stage, actually. You can listen to music in the car while driving or being at home, driving the subway, but, but in, in, in the end, music is made for the stage. And uh, to get feedback online is something very def different to get feedback from the, the audience right in front of you when you play the songs live. And uh, after all these years, after two and a half years of not being able to play those shows, it was an absolutely outburst of emotions for us. And look, the fans are responsive. They're coming out in droves in the tens of thousands, as you mentioned before, to see you guys. And what goes through your mind when putting on uh, one of the most energetic sets that you're performing, like, like what you have been doing? Is the intention to get out there and get everyone moving for the entire time that you're on stage? Because it looks like going to a concert with a mosh pit, but also like an aerobic setup at home that you can potentially <laughs> do with the heavy music that you guys produce. No, first of all, first of all, uh, we want to have fun. I think that's the, the main point and we want the people out there to have fun. So this is what we try to do. And it's not like, okay, we need to, we need to put some, some energy on stage tonight. It's, it's just happening every night because we want to, we want to play. We love music. We love live music. And um, I think, yeah, you can see it in our faces. Absolutely. And for me, it's something very special because we sometimes compare ourselves to other bands and there are like, when when bands are on stage there are like sometimes on stage they they get a little bit quieter and talk quieter and i always try to keep up the high energy all the time we're jumping around all the time and i think of myself like is this necessary but uh, in fact on an electric cowboy show it's necessary so yeah and it's it's good to see that the people think the same so uh, they're moving all the time it leaves a lasting impact because if you've got that energy and you're so vibrant on stage, people will walk away from that going, you know what? That was a fucking great set. And they'll be talking about it for years to come until the next show. And, and this is the point, I guess. We, we know about all the problems in the world out there and uh, we are absolutely aware of that. But we never thought it to be our job to, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we're more for, for the good times. We want the people to forget for the, the time of our set, we want, to, uh, we want the people to forget about the problems and get the energy back that they lose because of all those problems. And when they go home, they are like, I don't want to say they are stronger, but it's like you got rid of all that shit in your head. You know, you go home and you can face the problems again. You feel better. And yeah, it's like having a good meal after a shitty day or being with your friends and family. It's yeah. a creation in some way. Yeah. And that's what—that's the, the greatest thing about heavy music. I mean, we can go to shows like this. We can scream. Like, if I was to scream at home, someone will call the police and obviously there'll be a domestic disturbance <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. You go to a show like that, but then you combine the, the metalcore sound that you guys have with the electronic stuff. It, it kind of harks back to, like, early Enter Shikari, Skip the Foreplay and LMFAO, just that party oh, anthem yeah. jam with breakdowns. And that's what I feel like this scene has been missing. And you guys have filled this hole that, you know, we used to listen to this about 10 years ago and now you're back again and it's just you know us being old 30 year olds reliving our teen years yes <laughs> and, and this is actually and it's funny that you call out all those bands that, that you mentioned all those bands because these are all influences that we have and when we started yeah, sure. when we started that band we always wanted to we loved hard metal music and we loved breakdowns and we still do but but was also that the the scene was too black and too, too tough, you know what I mean? And we wanted to make fun of ourselves and like 
loosen everything a little bit up, you know, like getting people a little bit more with a smile on their faces and, and stuff like that. And, and right now we're known, we're known for that fact, you know, that we don't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, we make, we want to be taken seriously with, with our music because it's hard work, but what we bring to the stage and what we bring to the, to the people is, uh, is supposed to, to be fun, you know? This is actually one of the things why I love to play in that band because we have no, no real boundaries. We can do whatever we want. If we want to do some, some more electronic stuff, we can do it. If we want to do some hip-hop stuff, we can do it. If we want to do some folk, uh, in German we say Schlager. There, like I said, there are no boundaries. We can, we can mix up everything that we want to. So um, this is like, in the songwriting process, the best feeling because you can... You don't have to overthink every song and every everything you're doing. And this early on as well. I mean, like you were saying before, the, the scene is so full of dark and, and, you know, black clothing. You you pick up merch from a band, it's predominantly black, uh, and it's really hard to find colour. However, when we go out and buy vinyl variants, they're every colour of the fucking rainbow, and you collect them all. Like, I've got a billion behind me there, and they're all, like, beautiful colours, but it really shows, like, the inside of us, and I guess you're just an expression of what metalheads are really like. Yes, we look scary, but we love to fucking have fun. Absolutely. And we love how the scene has changed over the years. When we started, we had a really hard position in the scene, you know, because nobody took a serious, serious uh, in, in, a, in a way of we never were metal only. We never were pop music. So we were too soft for the one side and too hard for the other side. And people take music and music genres to, uh, yeah, to divide from each other. People want to be in groups, you know, they want to feel as a, as a family, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, like they want to feel unique. Yeah. And by doing music that is in between, you kind of, uh, you kind of, yeah, attack both scenes a little bit. That's what the people felt. But nowadays, everything is tighter together. They come closer together. And we absolutely love, you, you don't know uh, what music a, a person likes from the way he's, where, uh, he's uh, dressing, for example. And I absolutely love it. You know, there are so many people that look like rappers, hip hoppers, and they do actually like our music uh, or any other hard music and other, other way around again. So uh, we absolutely love that the scene is getting closer together. And welcoming, it doesn't matter what you listen to, just as long as you like good music and breakdowns and you pick someone up if they fall on the floor, that's what it's all about. That's what Bam. it is. Exactly. And for me, I never was a fan of genres, of music genres, because uh, it's very personal it's about emotions when you listen to a song you either like it or not and that's what it's all about you know it, it doesn't depend on what genre it is or whatever and you can like it or not and that's that's what what's important what's well, funny you're mentioning that kevin because one of the things about uh music in the world that brings everyone together and it doesn't really matter what the music sounds like is eurovision and electric callboy tried their hardest to get into eurovision and <laughs> we got behind you as much as we could so much so the band didn't make it in however we hosted on wall of sound our very own euro sound song contest and you boys took it out. You boys got the number one spot with 242 yeah, nice votes, <laughs> beating Malta's entry of Mark Storis and Ghost from Sweden. So what? it proves that you have a following behind you that's not just the core scene. People love unique and random kind of acts, and I think you encompass all of that together with what you produce in your sound, your stage show, and just your personalities. I mean, I'd love to sink a beer or two and get on it with you. <laughs> that is so cool to hear. That is so cool to hear because uh, yeah, we never it is, aim it is. for that, you know. 
we never aimed for that. It's not that we like thought about how to get as many people as possible to like our band. It's, it's more like we, we always did what we like and this was the result. And this is such a good feeling to be yourself and still have people that like you. And uh, we're in such a, a, a good position. And the whole, yeah, the whole ESC thing, <laughs> it was a funny story for us, to be honest. But Germany was not ready. I mean, maybe the world was, but Germany didn't notice it because we have <laughs> like, there are so many, let me tell you that in Germany, there are so many people responsible for the Eurovision Song Contest that are old as fuck. And I don't mean, I, I really mean it. They, they have their gray hair. It still has another gray hair. It's like they, they are old potatoes and um, they even called us. They called us and told us, could you please, could you please uh, make some good uh, some good vibes for, for our artists that we choose. And the problem was that, is, as you saw maybe on the Eurovision Song Contest, it was, it was still good music, but it was not eye-catching music. And it was not the music that the Eurovision Song Contest needs. So, uh, yeah. The sad thing, yeah. thing about that story is, first of all, pretty sorry for the other, other artists because... It felt like nobody's talking about the, the artists that um, are in the finals. Everyone was talking about Electric Cowboy that, uh, yeah, is not going to the ESC, actually. Um, so that was a bit, I, I was a bit sorry for the other artists, actually. But the thing is, uh, the, the, the whole ESC story was not our idea. Um, there were, I don't know, they think that there was a, there was a comment under uh, one of our videos uh, where someone was like, Hey, these guys should should go to the ESC, and uh, when that's not, where it all started, let's do yeah. it. and that's where it originated. Right? Okay. So, so you're you're technically listening to what your fans are doing, but also it would not be out of place to have Electric Callboy at at Eurovision because you take a look in the past. We've seen heavy bands go through. AWS comes to mind. I'm really trying to get either Voyager or Parkway Drive from Australia because I feel like the world oh, yeah, needs more metal. So and you look at Lordy who won it all those years ago. So it's not exactly, um, you know, something that's not achievable. But, yeah, hopefully somewhere in future. Yeah, absolutely. And in Germany we have we will see. Uh, some... Yeah, we have some cool TV, TV shows, and we're working on uh, we're working on getting on them because uh, we want to bring our our kind of music to some other audiences as well to the to the grandpas and grandmas out there, and uh, maybe like it uh, like it too. <laughs> well, let's get uh, the whole family involved with Electric Cool Boy. You're coming to Australia for Good Things Festival, December two to four. We cannot fucking wait to see you guys down here. So get down here, and then we'll have a big party jam. Absolutely, we, can, we, we will. We finally, finally come to Australia, man. That's so fucking oh, amazing, yeah. really. We we had that like we thought about that so many times uh, during the last years, and now it's actually happening, and we can't wait. We 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 we, we said that before. We had a video taken the other day, and uh, it was just uh, emotional for us because this is. It's always good to have a first time, and this is going to be a wonderful first time for us in Australia. Definitely. Don't worry, we're not going to use lube either. So come on down and we'll have some fun. <laughs> A nice one. Brownie, thank you very much. It was Hi. much fun. Thank you.
Sound up against the wall with Brownie. Black dress with the tights underneath. I got the breath of a last cigarette on my teeth. And she's an actress, actress. but she ain't got no need. She's got money from her parents in a trust fund back east. Tongues always pressed to your cheeks. While my tongue is on the inside of some other girl's teeth. You tell your boyfriend if he says he's got beef. That I'm a vegetarian and I ain't fucking scared of him. She wants to touch me, woo. She wants to love me, woo. She'll never leave me, woo. Woo, woo, woo. Don't trust her, never trust her. Won't trust her, won't trust me. She wants to touch me, woo. She wants to love me, woo. She'll never leave me, woo. Woo, woo, woo. Don't trust her, never trust her. She wants to love me, woo She'll never leave me, woo Woo, 
Shut your lips, do the Helen Keller, and talk with your hips. I said, shush, girl. Shut your lips, do the Helen Keller, and talk with your hips. I said, shush, girl. Shut your lips, do the Helen Keller, and talk with your hips. Giving you a hit of nostalgia right to the face. 303, don't trust me on Wall of Sound up against the wall. They're returning to Australia for Good Things Festival. And you can check out the full lineup right now at wallofsoundau.com. Ticketing details are there too. And the official general public ticketing is on sale right now. So make sure you go out and get yours. Support live music so we can see more of these events returning to Australia following the dramatic two years we've had with that bloody pandemic. I, for one, cannot wait to see what happens at this festival. It's been a long time since we've had a large-scale event like this. You might remember the last one, Parkway Drive headlined, and how good was that seeing them in Australia, plus also the debut of Simple Creatures. All our coverage from previous Good Things festivals can be found at the website, so go familiarise yourself with that and get ready for this one. Now, for those of you wondering if this means the return of the podcast, I'm working on something at this point in time to see what the future will bring. I really wanted to do a special edition of the podcast and bring you back into the hype that we had back in the day for these type of events. And uh, whilst I'm still trying my absolute best to deliver Tom DeLong for episode 100, the normal episodes that we normally do, it's proving to be a little bit more difficult than I anticipated. So I promise you, Episode 100 will still be for Tom DeLong, but maybe we'll just jump to episode 101 and see what happens from there. I don't know the future of the podcast, but I do know that I really want to bring it back and I want to service it to you because of all the support you've given it over the years and uh, the fact that it grew bigger than ever anticipated. So watch this space. We might do some more special episodes. I'll do my hardest to get Tom on the show. And if that doesn't work out, then we'll just jump that number and see what happens as uh, the future releases come out. But stay tuned for everything that we've got going on at Wall of Sound. We've grown a little bit over the past couple of years. We just released the Digimag last week and we've got a whole stack of great killer content on the way. So firstly, thank you so much for your support over the years. Thank you for even checking out this episode too. Get behind this festival and any shows returning. Get yourself back out there in the scene and support our local audience alternative scene. We cannot wait to see it flourish again. And uh, these boys have certainly been flourishing over the past couple of years. They're on the lineup and I couldn't not play them on the return of the podcast. This is Polaris with Vagabond wrapping up the Good Things Festival special episode. My name is Brownie. I'll catch you in the not too distant future.
Nation!